Um, as we start this series, you'll notice very quick in John chapter 15, in the first two words are two, uh, this statement, and they're a profound statement. The two words are say, I, what's the next word? Am. I am. This is the seventh time that Jesus is going to use those two words referring to himself. I am, and he says several different things. In this text, he says, I am the true vine. Now, the first four times he uses those words to describe himself, to describe his character, it is in a public setting. The fifth time he uses this uh, word, I am, and then describes himself, is in a private conversation with Martha after her brother has died. Here in John chapter 14 and in John chapter 15, we see the sixth and the seventh I am statements. So there's seven I am statements of Christ. The sixth one is found in John chapter 14. It's a part of this conversation we're going to look at in John chapter 15, where Jesus says, I am, does anybody know what it is? The way. John 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So then here, the seventh and final I am statement is Jesus saying, I am the true vine. And so in context, this conversation is with the disciples. Now, when he's making these statements, and I said already, this, this is a profound statement, I am the true vine. Vine. This I am goes back to when God revealed himself to Moses. When God told Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. And Moses said, well, who am I supposed to say that sent me? On whose authority am I going to tell Pharaoh to let his people go, let the nation of Israel go? And God says, tell Pharaoh, I am that I am has sent you. And so what Jesus is declaring in these seven statements is, I am am God. It's not just I am the true vine. What he's declaring is I am deity. I am the king of kings. I am the lord of lords. I am the alpha and the omega. I am the, the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am the one true God. And so this is a profound statement. So in the context of John chapter 15, this conversation with the disciples it really starts in John chapter 13. And in John chapter 13, what we see, the scene is that they are in the, what we would now know as the upper room. What we know is now is that they were celebrating Passover. And it is the, also what we now refer to as the Last Supper. It's the Last Supper because Jesus is going to be arrested this night. And so in this conversation, at the end of, of John chapter 14, it seems like the conversation moves from the upper room around the dinner table celebrating Passover, and now they're on their way to the garden. And at the end of verse, uh, chapter 14, he says, all right, let's go. And so it seems like this chapter 15 is a conversation having, that Jesus is having with the disciples just really hours before he's going to be arrested in the garden. It's on the way. And so it seems also from the context that as he's talking, that potentially there was this vineyard there, and, and that's, what, that's why he uses his imagery that I am the vine, you, followers of Jesus, are the branches. All right, so now that we have the context, I'm going to take time this morning to read the entire chapter because we're going to spend the next five weeks unpacking this chapter. I want to encourage you over the next five weeks to not miss a Sunday, but also to read this conversation every day this week. 
just to prepare yourself to think through it. Maybe even read John 13 through 18 in this, this conversation. All right, so John chapter 15, verse number 1. I am, the vine, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. You may have already figured it out, but he's going to use this word abide a lot, okay? So you might want to circle it or underline it. If he's using this many times in these few verses, it may be because it's important. Verse 5, Jesus again talking. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so we be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I, have, I also loved you. And then he says again, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man or no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all the things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me. But I chose you, and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they also persecute you. If they kept my word, and they will keep yours also, but all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without cause. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you, the father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Would you pray with me real quick this morning? God, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for this conversation that John recorded for us. I pray that as we open up your word, as we walk through this chapter in the next few weeks, Lord, that you would challenge us, uh, that you would encourage us, that you would convict us. And Lord, I pray that we would respond. Lord, when you speak to us, that we would respond. It's in the precious and powerful name of Jesus we pray. 
Amen. So this word abide, what does it mean? It seems like it must be pretty important if it's so many times in the first 11 verses. And it's simply abide, what we're talking about is just connecting with Christ. It's having fellowship with Christ. It's having uh, uh, an intimate relationship with Christ. It's talking with Christ. It's having communion with Christ. And so it seems what the author, what John is telling us here is that we need to continually, as followers of Jesus, connect to Christ. We must continually have fellowship with Christ. And if we do those things, if we abide in Christ, we will have fellowship and we will produce, he will produce fruit in us. But before we go and, and spend the next several weeks talking about abiding in Christ, and we answer this question this morning, what, what does it mean to abide, or why should I abide, and what, what, what isn't even a fruit? What does it mean to produce or to bear fruit? I think we need to pause for a moment, and because the assumption here, the context of the scripture, Jesus is talking to his disciples. They have made a decision to follow him. And so we, hopefully, we have made a decision to follow him. So the assumption as we walk through is, is that we must abide in Christ, we must connect with Christ. The assumption then is that we belong to Christ. But see, we can't connect or we can't continue connecting with Christ if we've never been connected to Christ. And so... It's interesting as I was thinking about this this week because there's some tricky verses in here. Next week, we're going to really dig into verse number two. I want to encourage you to be here next week because some translations say that they don't produce fruit. They gather and cast them away. Some translations say they cut them away. Uh, then in verse number six and verse number seven, in a few weeks, Pastor Dave is going to speak on those verses. And those seem a little even more like confusing. So before we get to the real confusing part, could we just think for a moment, as I was thinking through this text, Matthew chapter 7 came into my mind. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to invite you to turn there, but I would encourage you to read it this week. But there is some, for me as a pastor, for me just as a follower of Christ, there's some troubling, um, frightening, alarming, I don't know the right word to use here, verses. Because Jesus is talking in Matthew chapter 7, and, and I just want to point out a few things in, in verse number 13, what he says. Jesus says, wide is the road, or wide is the path that leads to destruction. And then he says, many will find that path. Many will go down that path. Wide, it's wide because there's many. Many people are on the road to destruction. In other words, they don't have Christ. And then he goes on to say, but there, narrow is the road and difficult is the road which leads to eternal life. And few will find that road. I, I want you to think of the heaviness of that statement. Jesus says many are on the road to destruction. Few will find the path to life. And remember what the sixth I am statement of Jesus was. I am the, what is it? I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. So what Jesus is saying here is few are going to find Jesus. 
Many are not going to find Jesus, and they're on the road to destruction, but few are going to find Jesus. And then the, the, the text gets a little bit more, whatever word that was, alarming, scary, frightening. It gets, it gets worse because at the end of the chapter, Jesus, the picture is Jesus saying, there's going to, there's going to be church people. They're going to stand before the Lord, and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, did you not know me? Remember all, I, I, I had perfect attendance at church. I went to Hallmark Baptist Church for 50, 60 years, whatever that might be. I went to Connect Group every Sunday, and then I went to the 1030 service, and Lord, do you not know me? And, and the scripture says they cast out demons. They performed all these miracles, and they stand in the presence of God. And what does the Lord say? I never knew you. You were on the wrong path. You worked deeds of lawlessness. Billy Graham says, or said, that he believed 50% of church people are still on the road to destruction. The easiest thing for us to do this morning is to walk in and hear the story of abiding to the vine and assume we are connected to the vine. But if many are on the road to destruction and few will find the path to life, and many will stand before the Lord and say, I had good church attendance, and Jesus is going to say, I, did, I didn't know you. You were not a branch. Then what are the chances that in this room, at this moment, there are people in this room who think they're a branch, but are not a branch? And I wonder this morning if some of you in the room, you know you're not a branch, but you're afraid to admit that you're not a branch. Because playing church from someone who did it for many years, it, it's really pretty easy. It's easy to come to church and act like you have it all together and, and pretend like you're a branch. Can I ask everybody to just close your eyes for a moment? What, what I've been challenged personally this week is, what if members of Hallmark Baptist Church experience what Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 7? That they stand before the Lord and He says, I don't, I don't know you. In, in this moment, if you are not 100% confident that you are in Christ, why don't you decide right now to give your life to Christ? For by grace, you are saved. 
not of yourself, not of works, it's a gift of God. Right now, I, I believe there's, there's people in this room that know they need to make this decision. And you're struggling whether to make it. Would you call on the Lord? Commit your life to Him that you may have eternal life. I want to lead you through a prayer this morning. And if you want to make that decision, would you cry out to God? You may say something like this, Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner. I confess my sins to you. I confess Jesus is Lord. I surrender my life to you. I ask you to forgive me and to save me. If you prayed that this morning as your eyes are closed, would you just put your hand up for a moment? Just put your hand up. Whether you've been a member for years or you're just a guest, just put your hand up. Thank you. There's one. Anyone else? Just put your hand up. There's two. There's three. Anyone else? There's four. Five. Anyone else? There's another one. Six. Can I just tell you right now, it's the greatest decision you've ever made. Would you pray with me? God, we, we ask that today, these that have made this decision, Lord, that you would give them confidence in this decision, that, Lord, you've clearly said, if we call on you, you will save us. It's not our work. It's you. And Lord, I pray you would give them the confidence and the courage to tell someone today that we could celebrate what you have done. Lord, it's in the powerful and the precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Could we celebrate that today? God is good. Amen. Amen. And I, I want to encourage you, if you made that decision, come talk to someone about it after church. I mean, you can, if you don't, uh, if it's difficult for you, which it may be, just scan that little QR code right in front of your seat. Uh, there, it'll lead you to a connect card. You can put on there, there's a checkbox that I want more about receiving Christ. Just, just do that, all right? We would like to connect. We would like to celebrate with what, what you did today, what God has done in you today. You know, the Bible says that if we give our life to Christ, that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us, and that we don't have to live up to a certain standard, that God's grace is sufficient to forgive me of all my sins, past, present, and future. Because here's the truth, guys. Even when I gave my life to Christ, I still make a lot of mistakes. Can I say amen to that? I'm saying that to you, but you guys are saying it to me. All right, let's, let's get into the, our text, all right? John chapter 15. We talked about this. What does it mean to abide? It means to connect with Christ, to, to have communion, to have fellowship. So the next question then we need to ask is, well, <clears throat> why should I abide? If abiding is connecting, why should I connect every day with Christ? And the text is pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. 
that abiding in Christ leads to producing fruit. So I want to abide in Christ because then I produce fruit, or God produces fruit in me and through me. In, in other words, connection, connecting to Christ, it leads to production. It's not me trying harder. It's not me working harder. It's me connecting to Christ every day. And Christ, he's the one that produces the fruit in me. Another way to say that would be that faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. That as I connect, God then produces. As I am faithful to connect, God will produce fruit in me and through me. Here's another way to think of that from the reverse side. If I'm not connecting and I'm not bearing fruit, then I'm not fulfilling the purpose God has for my life. The greatest thing you can do in your life is to find purpose and meaning. And guess what? The one who created you, he has purpose and a plan for you. And so as I connect to Christ, then I fulfill the purpose God has in me and I bear fruit. So... Why should I abide? Because abiding leads to fruitfulness. Well, how or what is fruit? I mean, if we're going to produce fruit, maybe we should know what the fruit, the fruit is, right? I think, let's just point out three things this morning. We're going to walk through this fairly quickly. As we think about bearing fruit. The first is this. We bear fruit when we lead people to Jesus. When we lead people to find and follow Jesus, we are bearing fruit. We are bearing fruit of salvation, that other people are being saved, that other people are learning the gospel, other people are hearing the gospel, other people are finding Jesus. So here's a thought this morning. Is God producing the fruit of other people being saved in your life? I can't answer the question for you. Is God producing the fruit of salvation through you in other people's lives? Because this is what Paul said in Romans chapter 1 and verse 13. Uh, it'll be on the screen for us this morning. And it says, I do not want you to be unaware that I often planned a plan to come to you, but I was hindered until now. And here's where he says, that I may have some, what's the word? fruit among you also. What Paul is saying is, I want God to produce fruit of other people being saved, and that's why I want to come. That's why I want to share the gospel, because I want God to bear more fruit through me of people coming to follow Jesus. And so, if abiding leads to fruitfulness, or connection leads to production, and one of the fruits that God wants to produce in us is other people finding Jesus? Then we have, to, we have to ask ourselves the question, is my life bearing fruit of other people being saved? The second one, the second fruit I want us to think about is, is we bear fruit when we, when we become more like Jesus. All right, so here's this church word, right? So if the first word is, is salvation, I... God produces fruit of salvation in other people through me. The next one then would be sanctification. It's this process of becoming more like Christ. The more I get connected to Christ, the more I should look like Christ. The more I get connected to Christ, the more I should act like Christ. The more I abide in Christ, the more fruit 
that I will produce. Paul talked about in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, this fruit of the Spirit. That if I walk in the flesh, I will produce the fruit of the flesh. That's my anger, my pride, my greed, my selfishness, and you probably have your own list. But the fruit of the Spirit is as I am connecting to God, as I'm abiding in Christ, then He will produce the fruit of the Spirit in me. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness. It's not me producing the fruit. I used to have this backwards. I think sometimes uh, church culture gets this backwards. Well, if you do this, do this, and do this, and if you check the box and you check the box, then you're going to be this, this, and this. Like, if you just try to be nicer, you're going to be nicer. Can I tell you from experience, I'm not very good at being nice. Well, if you just try harder, you're going to have more patience and Wow, let me tell you from experience, I'm not very patient. But you know what I've also experienced? That as I take time to abide in Christ, He produces the fruit of patience in me. He, His Spirit, makes me a little more gentle, a little more kind, a little more long-suffering. If those are not being produced in me and through me, then maybe I'm not connecting to the vine. The third one. We bear fruit when we give. I'm not just talking about money. I mean, in in Romans chapter 15 and verse 28, uh, you can take time to read it, but the context, Paul is specifically talking about money, that when they gave to the Lord, it produced fruit. It was fruit bore out in them by giving. I think it's bigger than that. I think when I think about bearing fruit and this idea of giving, maybe a better word would be generosity. That I'm going to be more generous, not just with my money, but I'm going to be more, more generous with my time. I'm going to be more generous with my, what you used to say, time, my talent, and my treasures. And if I, individually, if I am not more generous, more giving of my time and my talent and my treasure than I was last year, this year, maybe it's because I'm not abiding in Christ like I was before. And so let's think about this for a moment. We bear fruit when we lead people to Christ, when we become more like Christ, when we become more generous or giving. So here, let's... Let's get down to the basic thought this morning. I've asked a lot of people this week this question because um, I'll be, it seems simple to me, and sometimes simple scares me. But it seems like from the text, so so look at verse number four and five real quick, and then I'll, I'll get to this question. John 15, verse four. Again, this is Jesus speaking. He's talking to followers of Jesus, or as the Imagery here is we're branches connected to the vine, which is Jesus, the gardener being God. He says, verse 4, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me And I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do, what's the word? So, again, here's my simple thought. 
it seems from this passage of Scripture that if, if, there's not being, if there's not fruit being produced in and through me, that there's only two possibilities for why that's so. Like if I'm, if I'm not leading people to salvation, if I'm not closer to God in my journey of sanctification, if I'm not more generous, if I'm not producing, if God's not producing those fruits in me and through me, there seems to be only two possibilities of why I'm fruitless. So I'm just going to ask you the same question. Maybe you can agree with me. Maybe the first is this. It seems like that one possibility for not bearing fruit is that I'm not a branch. That I'm not connected to Christ. That I've never given my life to Christ. I may be a churchgoer. I may be a church member. I may be a giver. I may be a Sunday school teacher. But if I'm not producing fruit, doesn't it seem like one of the two possibilities is that I'm not a branch? Would you agree with that? Raise your hand, all right. Nod your head. Touch knees and toes. I don't know where that came from. All right. It seems then the only other possibility is that I'm not abiding in Christ. That I'm not in close fellowship with Christ. It seems like either one of two things. Either I'm not connected, I've never been saved, or I'm not connecting on a regular basis. That I'm not spending time with God, allowing Him, as we'll get into next week, to prune me. To be conformed into the image of Christ. Okay, so that's my question. Is, is that, do you see that in the text? That the only two possibilities for me not bearing fruit is that I'm not a branch or I'm not connecting. Do you guys agree? Okay. So then, so here's the questions you need to wrestle with now. The first question is this. Are you bearing fruit? Are you bearing, I can't answer that question for you. Now, I mean, I could observe and I probably could have some guesses. Like in Matthew chapter 7, that passage we were talking about, Jesus says, you will know the tree by the fruit it bears. But you need to answer the question for yourself. Is the Lord producing fruit in me? Are people finding Jesus because of me? Am I more like Christ today than I was yesterday? Am I on a journey towards becoming more like Christ? Am I more generous with my time and my talent and my treasure? Is God producing fruit? You're going to have to answer that question. And the, and the question and the answer for you may be absolutely not. For some of you, it may be, well, some. And for some of you, it may be, yeah, I'm seeing God do something in my life and he is producing fruit and and I want to see God produce more fruit. We see that in the text. They're going to bear fruit. You're going to bear more fruit. You're going to bear much fruit. What, what is, and so there's a possibilities of different answers here, right? But where, what, what is your answer? Maybe your answer is, well, I used to bear fruit, but not so much anymore. So then, depending on your answer, well, what are you going to do about it? Because we've all, I think we've all agreed that there's only two possibilities of us not bearing fruit. Either you're not a branch, or you're just not connected very well. 
So what are you going to do about it? In Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 20, many times this verse gets used uh, a little bit of out, of out of context, and it's, it's kind of used for those who maybe are not a branch. And we're telling people, if you want to be a branch, God is knocking at your door, just open up the door and you can be a branch. Now, that's true, but that's not really the point of this verse. Okay, in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, this verse is actually written to branches. It's the people who belong to Christ. It's people who are in Christ. When Paul said, those of us who are in Christ, we're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's who this verse is written to. It's written to us who, who are followers of Jesus, who are a branch. And here's what he says in, in verse 20. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Now, this imagery that he's using, that I'm going to come in and dine with him and him with me, in the context, in the culture, what that means is we're going to have a close relationship. That I'm going to come in and I'm going to sit around the table and we're just going to have, we're going to do life together. We're going to have communion. We're going to have fellowship. We're going to, we're going to be buds, right? And so what the verse is saying is Jesus is saying to those who are branches in the room today, I want a deeper relationship with you. I want to connect on a deeper level because I want to produce fruit in you. And so to find purpose and meaning and value in life is to connect to the creator, to connect to the vine and say, God, I want to be used. I want, I want you to produce fruit in me. I want to see people to find and follow Jesus. I want to, Lord, I want to see my life become more like you. I want to be the salt and the light, and I, I, want, to, I want to bear fruit for your glory. But here, here's a statement that you can maybe resonate with you for the rest of the week. You are as connected to the vine as you choose to be. You're as connected to the vine as you choose to be. So what's your choice going to be? Again, there seems to be only two reasons we don't bear fruit. We're not a branch or we're not connecting. You are as close, you are as connected as you choose to be.